Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Elephant in the Room podcast here with the Georgetown University College Republicans. I'm your host, Ian Cruz, and today we'll be kicking off our coverage of the 2022 midterm elections. This state is now the battleground state to watch. Sorry, Florida. It's a state that put Donald Trump over the top in 2016. It is now worth 19 electoral votes. That's right. This episode is all about Pennsylvania. This year, the Keystone State has two key statewide elections, a U.S. Senate election and a gubernatorial election. In this episode, I'm joined by two Pennsylvanians to help deconstruct these two critical races that could determine the balance of power in the Senate and reshape the political landscape of the state itself. Now let's get right into the content you've been waiting for. I'm now joined by Dennis, who's a senior here at Georgetown, and Aiden, a junior at GW. And the first colonial, I might add, if that hasn't been canceled yet, on the podcast. So gentlemen, thank you so much for being on with me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, like Ian said, my name is Aiden. I'm from uh, GW, loud and proud. Um, and I'm on the podcast today. Talk about the Pennsylvania elections. I'm from uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania. It's about half an hour outside Philly. If you know where that is, I didn't go to Malvern Prep, just for those listeners that are familiar with the area. So don't worry about that. Um, and I'm currently studying international affairs at GW, vice chairman of the College Republicans. So happy to be on. I'm Dennis. Uh, as Ian said, I'm from the Philly area as well. So from Bucks County specifically, Ridgeboro, Newtown area, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm a senior, as Ian said as well, uh, in the college studying political economy with a minor in Russian. I'm president of the Federal Society. Uh, come to our events. They're great. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Happy to be here. Fantastic. And your state, not even 10 years ago, would rarely be considered competitive. It was always seen as a safe Democratic seat. Uh, Hillary Clinton was never expected to lose there. But former President Trump won the state in 2016, the first time since 1988. Why have Pennsylvania voters shifted so heavily towards a Trump-style Republican? Well, you know, I think it's because um, Trump was very obviously very different on the issues and um he he put um kind of the the he kind of took this kind of country club business um style republican and threw that away so this isn't working and focused more on uh, middle class manufacturing which i think as part of his message i think that resonated with pennsylvanians when he says you know i'm here to represent pittsburgh not paris people s see that and they're like okay well um, this guy might actually be a fighter. Um, and I think that's a, a, a lot of the reason why he lost people in like the suburbs like Chester County, mm -hmm. but um, gained a lot of people out in the West around Pittsburgh, um, a lot of people in the Northeast, a lot of people who may have family working in coal or working in um, oil who felt like they weren't represented. They couldn't vote for a Democrat because um, that's just that's too far off the cultural stuff um but the business class or the um pro-business quote-unquote like country club republicans were too unrelatable and i think trump bridged a gap there that wasn't uh, yeah i think similar to the rust belt states i mean people sometimes say pennsylvania ends the rust belt but i think pennsylvania is very much part of the rust belt especially western pa mm -hmm. the pittsburgh area a lot of manufacturing there and trump had a like out really really uh interesting way of appealing to the middle class working class white voters specifically non-college educated that felt they mm -hmm. they were left behind mm -hmm. by democrats plus um in general democrats have been against a lot of very important manufacturing jobs in pa 
uh, from oil, fracking, and Trump had a way to appeal to those uh, kind of left-behind individuals, kind of the uh, left-behind man in PA and Ohio and all those areas, Wisconsin, Michigan. And uh, it really worked out well for him in 2016 mm-hmm. uh, through, through that lens. So I think, yeah, I mean, again, 2020 did lose the suburban, a lot of suburban women, mm-hmm. but in general, uh, he had that kind of gravitas, kind of appeal to him mm-hmm. in PA that a lot of people uh, found appealing. And I think that's something that's a trend that's been reflected all across the Rust Belt area. Yeah. Pennsylvania is not definitely not an exception to that. So both of you talk about um, the blue-collar workers and the working class being a huge central focus of Pennsylvania. So we see are the issues. I know you touched a bit about the coal and the energy sector in Pennsylvania, but are there any other big issues that galvanize Pennsylvania voters, especially those who have been maybe Obama Democrats mm-hmm. that are now Trump Republicans? I think trade, that kind of relates back to mm-hmm. manufacturing, but I think it's um, it was also a big pillar of the Trump campaign. Um, that was actually yeah. sort of ignored in 2020 to a certain degree or not as, as yeah. emphasized. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason, um, that I think he, um, um, you know, kind of didn't do as well in, in 2020 in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, and obviously, um, kind of is related to manufacturing, but trade was important. Mm, definitely. Yeah. I think that it definitely appealed. I mean, whether right or wrong, that definitely appealed to a lot of Pennsylvanians. The fact that he was saying. We need to stop outsourcing jobs to China, stop, stop uh, giving our jobs to other countries. That definitely appealed to a lot of union workers, a lot of mm-hmm. um, workers that typically have been voting for Democrats for decades. Yeah. Um, and that worked out uh, pretty well in the Republicans' favor. Yeah. I think big issues like, I think like crime and inflation are probably the two yeah. other issues that, at least now, but I think also in general play well in Pennsylvania. Stuff like is immigration. Yeah. Um, and foreign policy, I don't think, was as important as Pennsylvania. Well, PA also has a huge finance sector. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that typically has very strong appeal to uh, from Republicans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you think the inflation and crime issues should be like the focus of the Republican campaign now to win back voters in places like Chester County and the Philadelphia area or mm-hmm. continue focusing on the Trump message of we're going to repair our trade relationships and keep the blue collar message. Yeah, I think it's finding somewhere in, somewhere in between yeah. those two mm-hmm. those yeah. two uh, areas. I mean, I also say focus on education. Like Virginia worked out so well for Glenn Youngkin, focus on education. There's a lot of similar parents in Pennsylvania than there are to Virginia. And I think focusing on, as you said, um, the manufacturing jobs, but also focusing on um, the education uh, angle of it, also really important. But crime and inflation definitely is two points that are really hurting democrats right now and that's what if republicans hope to win in pa which i hope they do uh that should be what they're focusing on and appealing to that middle class voter who should be um concerned about inflation and crime it's even in suburban and you know more urban areas and we even see uh like in my home state of texas in the 2020 election cycle that huge swing of hispanic voters in the southern part of the state in the rio grande valley and a lot of people like there was a wall street journal video on youtube that talks about the hispanic shift and one state that they talked about was pennsylvania they talked about luzerne county if i'm not mistaken it's in the northeastern part that they have significant hispanic communities there do you think that they'll also be instrumental in a Republican coalition in Pennsylvania, maybe not to the same degree as the more Southern Sunbelt states, but could they still play a major factor in Republican victories? I would say absolutely. I mean, I think uh, John Fetterman's actually doing a very good job with appealing to Hispanics um, in the state. 
uh he's very uh pro i mean i, I don't know exactly uh the demographic you're talking about if it's uh sanctuary cities we're talking about he's doing a very good job with appealing to that mm-hmm. but um it's always been tricky because hispanics tend to be actually against illegal immigration uh more so than democrats would think so if i mean we do, do see a trend in, in florida even in texas where hispanics are going more red so i think that appealing to hispanics in the state would be best for both parties I don't know. I don't think um, the Pennsylvania GOP should be focusing on Hispanics um, mm-hmm. in the state because Hispanics in the South, I think, like you're saying, immigration is a big issue for them. But immigration in Pennsylvania is just not going to feel – talking about immigration in Pennsylvania is not going to feel the same, mm-hmm. even though they're Hispanic. And it's just I don't think it's, it's as um, effective as talking about or reaching out to Hispanics in the South, like in mm-hmm. areas in Texas. Yeah, you'll put focus, you said focus, it's a tricky word, but it definitely should be something that Republicans should at least consider bringing in um, immigrants and, and Hispanics in general into their uh, coalition. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's dive into the Senate race. It's coming up is that your incumbent Senator Pat Toomey is retiring and that allows a new face to uh, represent Pennsylvania in the U.S. Senate. Now, Trump-endorsed candidate Dr. Raz narrowly won the Pennsylvania primary. It was a real nail-biter, and he'll face Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman. Mm-hmm. How do you anticipate voters will receive these two candidates? Will it be what the Fetterman campaign has been portraying, that Fetterman is the blue-collar guy, and then Oz is the Hollywood elite that's out of touch? Or is the Trump endorsement going to turn that on its head and let Oz be seen as no like MAGA Mehmet Oz. Like he's, he's actually in line with the, with the Trump base and with the Republican party. Mm-hmm. I think both candidates are far from ideal for the average uh, median PA voter, which mm-hmm. both parties, if you want to win in PA, that's what you have to appeal to. Uh, so, you know, Fetterman on one hand is, you know, pretty left wing on a lot of issues. He's been anti-fracking for a while, although he's kind of backtracked on that a little bit. He's very uh, pro green energy, which uh, hurts manufacturing jobs. You know whether you like it or not, it hurts manufacturing jobs in PA. Uh, he's been very soft on crime. He's supported you know a DA that was you know Philly that was very uh, soft on crime. Yep. Uh, it's pro releasing a lot of uh, you know I think he said one third of the prison population. These things are very unappealing to Pennsylvanians. But on the other hand, you have uh, Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz, who you know is very easy to associate with Trump. One mainly because he made the sticking point of his primary campaign that trump's endorsement and plus also he's an outsider he's like uh, a very rich guy it's very easy to paint him as a trumpian figure plus he's from outside pa in general so he feels very easy to associate with trump which i think again for the median pa voter that's not a good thing so they're both not great but um um it's going to be tricky to do you know figure out who is more favorable in PA, because I could, I could argue either. Yeah, I think what makes this really tricky too is this has become a race of like persona, mm-hmm. where the I think the issues um, are like almost to some people secondary to like the um, aura that each of these individual candidates is giving off, and so that makes it hard when you're polling people on like what issues they care about and where they are on certain things. Mm-hmm. It like it almost it it doesn't account for. John Fetterman, who is like, you could just go on for hours about this guy as a person. He's just 
weird, and so mm-hmm. is Oz. Yeah, <laughs> they're both just weird, and so they. It's all the crudite video. Yeah, the, the <laughs> social media stuff is the perfect, you know, example of this because it's 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 less about the issues and like who is more ridiculous as a person, and um, I think that even just by looking at Fetterman or listening to Oz, it's pretty easy to see, and so I think that makes a lot of the um, polling hard to look at, even though. You know, it, it changes. It seems like it's changing every yeah. day. Um, but I think that's what this race has really come become about. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, it's, people. yeah, it's so commonplace now in American politics where it's just about the persona. I mean, that's why I think the 2020 election was about. It's about who has a less, uh, uh, you know. Bombastic off, uh, Yeah, bombastic, offensive um, personality, off-putting personality. So that's kind of, in Pennsylvania, again, I always argue it's a microcosm of its, you know, United States as a whole, at least, you know, in American politics today. And I also argue that Bucks County is also um, <laughs> good, a good uh, representation of Pennsylvania. And I know a lot of people, they do talk, I know pretty much every single argument I have with family members, friends, it's all about the personality. Yeah. So that's really something that they have to be able to control. I think I feel bad for Fetterman because he has probably less control over his personality than someone like Oz does. Um, but yeah, so that's a definitely a very astute point that personality is the main driver of the Senate election, PA. Yeah, well, Oz has the Hollywood training of how to mm-hmm. help his image a little bit. And when I would always visit my grandparents, ironically, in New Jersey, um, which is a big... Boo! <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, ironically, in New Jersey, but... We would always watch the Dr. Oz show, and this was when I was much younger. And so to see him now, the Senate candidate, I'm like, oh, yeah, I grew up and I used to always watch him on TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure this, there was a similar aura around Trump yep. when he was on The Apprentice and then he ran for yep. president. Yep. And, of course, Trump was in the end successful in 2016. He was in the White House for four years. Do you think Oswald in the end get across the finish line because of the national environment, everything that's against Fetterman? Or do you think that his personality and his Hollywood connection just get the better of him and just allow Fetterman to decimate Oz in, in, in that personality debate? Or will it be somewhere in the middle? Because that tends to be where it lies. But who are, Fetter, are, are Oz's connections to Hollywood too big of a thing to overcome for him? I don't think they um, are impossible to overcome i think if he if he um because i mean take a look at trump trump made it work made it work well um oz on the other hand has not made it work i think he's he's also he's also um not the same on the issues like trump was um you know he's you go on his twitter feed and it's like it's like john fetterman's a socialist and that's like the extent of his Mm -hmm. um his his um critique of fetterman so uh, it, it's it's um it's kind of like if you took trump and gave him the um with this per- with a with a less interesting personality same mm-hmm. background and the political positions of like ted cruz in 2016 like i think um it's just not he's not going to make it work at this point um, like trump did. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean trump i mean say what you will about him but he has a talent of a, he's able to Definitely pick out his weak, his opponent's weaknesses as, you know, he defeated Hillary Clinton because I think he painted her very much as anti-establishment. Um, and I think that he also helped Republicans a lot by painting the opponent socialist. Mm-hmm. But I think Trump also has a talent in, by you know, off of that, 
putting himself up. And he definitely used his outsider Hollywood persona to say that I'm, I'm something different, I'm something new. Mm-hmm. That's what that unique appeal really helped him in 2016 that I think might not be as good anymore in 2022. I think people are definitely more or less tired of that. I think Trump yeah. can still bring that back and still uh, be the kind of Hollywood outsider figure that he once was. But it's definitely not working for any, it hasn't seemed to be working for any candidate outside. And yeah, you, I do think that Oz, every good appeal that Trump has, is he's kind of a watered down version of that. Mm-hmm. So it might not be as strong for the actual Trump supporters in PA, unlike Doug Mastriano, who I think is very Trumpy mm-hmm. figure, but not in the Hollywood sense. But yeah, so he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's doing a good enough job saying I'm anti-establishment, I'm an outsider. He, that's what I think he needs to be doing. I hope he's listening. Mm-hmm. That's what I hope he. That's why I think. I he hope needs so to, too. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> that's why I think he needs to be doing. He needs to be painting himself as anti-establishment um, outsider mm-hmm. who is going to bring something new to PA that I think is going to be really good in um, promoting himself. Absolutely, I agree, hundred percent on the. He needs to hammer home the anti-establishment factor because mm-hmm. Joe Biden, our current president, is. A product of the system he's been according to him in the senate for over 100 years but he's he's been in government for a large part of his adult life and so a lot of things he keeps saying i want to bring change well how do we trust joe biden because he's been in government for so long and we still have all these problems standing up like hillary clinton and trump hasn't hadn't been that position and dr ross hasn't been in a position that he could affect uh policy in in washington so if he went down that route and saying you know, John Fetterman's been lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. He has a record um, as lieutenant governor. And look at what he's done to the state. That's mm-hmm. uh, and he, focus on the negative things to, to boost his own campaign. Right. But at the same time, I'm against the establishment. I'm going to fight for you, the blue collar worker against, you know, Washington Incorporated and the business like mentality that occupies this town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, him running the ads of, oh, Fetterman's a socialist. It just, to me personally, it's very irritating that the RNC keeps pushing that narrative that, oh, Democrats are all socialist, socialist, yeah. socialist, because you're just trying to downplay your, your opponent, but you're not saying why we're better, why the Republican platform is better than the Democrats. They need a positive vision. It, they need a positive campaign by painting them as socialist. It kind of gets to the point where how the Democrats use the word racist. It kind of loses the aura of what actually... Yeah socialism means i think fetterman it might stick a little bit better because of the like how it sticks better with bernie sanders and maybe the the squad but like painting joe biden as the socialist and and we'll get into josh shapiro but maybe painting mm-hmm. him as a socialist won't always stick because people they don't know them these candidates as socialists sure it worked in miami maybe a little bit mm-hmm. in my miami dade county mm-hmm. but Hearing that over and over again isn't going to bring back moderates or, or suburban uh, women or suburbanites to, yeah. back to the Republican uh, Party. So that could be something to look at if you're the RNC. And, and mm-hmm. what are the issues that Republicans are winning on? Inflation, crime, you know, certain parts of the state focused on immigration, focused on trade mm-hmm. uh, and how holding the Biden administration accountable. Because that's what you do in a, in a Congress that's not uh, in line with the White House is you hold them accountable. You have investigations things like that more than push a policy agenda per se. This is more maybe a campaign for 2024 and saying, if we have a Republican White House, this is how we'd govern and this is how uh, we put forward policies within our own party, how we'd shape our own party. But you talk about, Dennis, Doug Mastriano and his more Trumpy factor. Mm -hmm. So let's move over to the gubernatorial election that, again, has a lot of eyes on uh, across the country. 
where uh, Governor Wolf is term limited, so he cannot run for re-election. Mm-hmm. So Attorney General, so ironically, and the, the Lieutenant Governor is running for Senate, Attorney General mm-hmm. running for Governor, uh, will be facing State Senator Doug Mastriano. Mm-hmm. Now, Democrats have made it very clear that they're very thrilled that Mastriano was the Republican nominee. Mm-hmm. Uh, since he has the backing of Donald Trump, he said some things that may not be seen as mainstream in the in the Pennsylvania voters' mind. And so they see him as very unelectable. Uh, do you buy this theory or are the Democrats and is Josh Shapiro overestimating uh, their support and underestimating their opponent? Hmm. I would say kind of both. Kind of, I would say not yes or no. Um, I do think that, again, Mastriano is a very off-putting guy as well. Uh, he's very much associated with Trump. I mean, he was on the January 6th uh, protest. Uh, very easy to kind of see him as the, you know, the Pennsylvanian version of Trump. And I think that Democrats have astutely, uh, I think, seen that. But at the same time, he has a lot of similar appeal to Trump does, which I think a lot of people are kind of gravitating towards. Uh, so unlike Oz, he actually does have a uh, closer to a Trump uh, talent of appealing to the uh, culture war kind of Republican base, which actually could bleed over to the moderates a little bit, as we saw in uh, uh, Virginia. So... I do think they are underestimating him, but at the same time, I do think that they do have a point in saying that Doug Mastriano is more beatable than someone like Lou Barletta, who is more moderate than uh, Mastriano. So, again, it's going to be tough for Democrats uh, if he wins, uh, and uh, something that they need to watch out for. At the same time, I think that Josh Shapiro, I'm, I'm surprised that the polls are actually pretty close compared to the Senate race. They're closer than Oz, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Democrats should be scared that, you know, this this kind of uh, tactic is not working out for them as much as they hoped. But I think at the end of the day, I'm predicting that it will, that I think that Josh Shapiro is way more electable than Doug Mastriano. I, I, um, I think they're definitely, un, um, you know, underestimating mm-hmm. Mastriano. Um, I like Mastriano. I think um, I like Lou Barletta too um, mm-hmm. initially at first because you know in 2016 he was um, he basically helped Trump get the state. He was one of Trump's first backers. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think and like you're saying the the polls are, are mm-hmm. you know they look pretty good mm-hmm. I mean, compared to the Senate. Uh, but <laughs> there is this. Um, I think the January 6th thing is, is, is weighing him down a little mm-hmm. bit. I think, um, especially in suburbs where yeah. Josh Shapiro has more of a, um, appeal because he's, he's comes off as moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Mastriano has, has, um, some sharp challenges there, but, um, overall I think he's, he's way more electable than the Democrats give him credit for. And I think, I think that's also, um, visible when you go on Twitter and like, you see these Democrats who are pissed off that the um, the party was funding his um, funding his primary ads, mm-hmm. and they're only I think they're pissed off because they know that this isn't open and shut. I think that's also an indication that something uh, there's a chance, um, and I think um, it's 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 a, a race that people aren't paying enough attention to mm-hmm. honestly yeah it's it's kind of similar to 2016 i mean it's just it shadows all of electoral politics today 2016 mm-hmm. where they democrats were so you know over the moon that trump won the nomination thought it's going to be an easy win and if 
Mastriano does end up winning. I mean, this is going to be another get another wake up call for them that don't underestimate Trump's appeal. And it hasn't worked out for many candidates, but I'm not saying it won't work out for someone like Mastriano who does have a Trumpian appeal. I mean, yeah, Trump's endorsement record has been per- like very positive for him. I mean, some of those he just picks like, oh, you're leading in the polls. I'm just going to endorse you to mm-hmm. seal the deal. I think a lot of them you know, aren't as risky. I think like a J.D. Vance in Ohio was a very risky endorsement. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good endorsement. And, mm-hmm. and J.D. Vance Agreed. won very handedly in the Ohio primary. Mastriano got his endorsement. Oz got his endorsement. They all won their primaries. But in like a state like Georgia... You know, David Perdue didn't fare very well against Brian Kemp. Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on what state. I mean, all of Trump's endorsed candidates won in a place like Arizona, in mm-hmm. Nevada, uh, Texas. I think he was undefeated in Texas. I think that that kind of shows he does have the grip on the, on the party. And it's just a matter of how these candidates go move forward. A lot of Democrats say they're un- they're not experienced, um, even though Mastrano was a state senator. Uh, so he does have some legislative experience, mm-hmm. but they're like, oh, they would not know how to govern. You know, they're too extreme for the for the country. And a lot of people put Mastriano in the same category as people like um, Carrie Lake in Arizona. I think even Joe Lombardo in Nevada to maybe a lesser extent. Mm-hmm. But to these other more harder, hardline, like Tim Michaels in Wisconsin, I think is another one, Tudor Dixon in, in Michigan, putting them all in this category. It's these extreme, you know, MAGA Republican gubernatorial ultra candidates mega. ultra mega <laughs> candidates exactly who all have trump's endorsement who are all you know campaigning with him whether it be tele rallies or actual rallies uh and will they win or not we'll see uh but it shows that in the big battleground states that we're watching trump has basically handpicked his candidates senate and um gubernatorial except for georgia and you, you had, I think, uh, Governor DeSantis was in Pennsylvania campaigning for Mastriano yep, yep, yep. the other day. So that's a huge endorsement among mm-hmm. especially the base and, and the culture war Republicans. It could even help him maybe in the suburbs since DeSantis is more suburban mm-hmm. appealing than than somebody like uh, Trump. But I see th- a lot of DeSantis flags in, in Chester oh, yeah, County. DeSantis, yeah. So there you go. Maybe that will help him out a little bit in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. But what Putting these the pieces of the puzzle together with Oz and Mastriano, it seems like in the primaries, they each did well on the opposite ends of the state. So Mastriano did very well in Western PA. It's like the Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Allegheny County area. And Oz did really well in Eastern PA. So the Northeastern part where Scranton is, mm-hmm. uh, and then of course the Philadelphia area. Do you think that that partnership will work well going into the general election? The Oz maybe will do better in in be the, the flag bearer for the ticket in Eastern PA where he did really well. And then Mastrano in Western PA, or do you think that there are just people are going to tickets vote split a little bit more? I think they're going to, I think they're going to split. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, the Oz Shapiro voter. And the, yeah. I think that that's actually going to be a problem. Um, because when they're so focused on the one area, I think it opens them up to um, it just opens them up to a whole bunch of challenges that Shapiro or Fetterman, even though they're both like one is very moderate and one is very extreme, um, can overcome easier um, than a Republican can, um, at least in Pennsylvania. So I think I think um, I think I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good thing that they've been hyper focused in those areas. Um, Mm-hmm. So yeah. I should get out to Western PA to be like, oh, vote for me too. I'm a, you know, a Republican backed by Trump. You know, yeah. working together with Mastriano, and then us maybe do the same thing for Mastriano in places like Chester County, Bucks County. Mm-hmm. I think if they both 
work together a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. it bridges those gaps easier too. Yeah, I just think it's challenging because Pennsylvania is such a diverse state. We have strong manufacturing, strong finance industry, strong agriculture industry, and it's very hard to appeal to all of the groups in PA. So it does seem like the the strategy of the Republicans is to appeal to different uh, sects of Pennsylvanian uh, the Pennsylvania economy, and I think that again, it's it could work out for uh, the candidates, but I do agree that ticket splitting is going to be probably what the median PA voter, at least right now, we'll see what's going to happen in November. But right now, that's what the average PA voter probably has in mind. I'm going to vote for Oz, um, and I'm going to vote for uh, Shapiro. So, I think that again, when you're when you're appealing to that average voter, they only have one main uh, kind of uh, draw, one main kind of uh, approach to who they select in the candidate, and they're not going to be worried about manufacturing and uh, you know finance and everything in between. They're going to only worry about one thing, and I think that the average voter will be voting for. Um, the candidates who think appeal to them, the more moderate candidates, which I believe is Oz and Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there would be like a Mastrano Fetterman split in the West, Western part of the state? I caught myself. Yeah, I caught myself before I said that because I don't think it'll be as as significant as the Oz Shapiro one, but I think yeah. um, that's that's possible as well. Yeah, and those manufacturing areas, which actually Trump appealed to and won in 2016, I think that they're they are actually more likely to go if they're going to take a split for Mastriano and Fetterman. Uh, than vice than the, um, the other candidates, so it's going to be uh, tricky. But again, manufacturing is still only one part of the big puzzle. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to keep talking about the, the median voter in PA, which is going to vote for uh, the more moderate candidates, not the ones that necessarily appeal to manufacturing. Uh, and that's why PA is so challenging because what do you go for? Um, and yeah, and. Because again, the, 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 I think the Repu- this is tricky because I think the Republicans in PA probably were go- are going to appeal more to the manufacturing candidate candidates, while Democrats and moderates are going to appeal more to the moderate candidates. Um, and that's it's really about what where PA stands right now, which is always changing. It's always going back and forth between you know red, purple, blue, and um, it's something that I think I have no answer for as of right now. Uh, what the general consensus is in the in the for the moderates in PA. So what you're kind of telling me is that it seems like Mastrano has more work to do than than Oz. If the more moderates are going, like maybe the Oz just needs a more like get out the vote GOTV program in the western part of the state to just lock up those votes as much mm-hmm. as possible, and then focus on winning those moderate voters maybe similar thing for Mastrano rev up the base get generate the enthusiasm but spend a lot of time in the eastern part of the state to convince uh you know the Philly suburbs northeastern PA to say well I'm not as extreme as the Democrats portray me I'm focusing on the issues Josh Shapiro is more about doing it for a personality I don't know entirely all the critiques about against Josh Shapiro but they could say you know he doesn't want to take bold action he's in line with Joe Biden you know he had I think the event with Kamala Harris and she's very unpopular saying you know He'd be, you know, a strong ally of the Biden administration. Who... Plus the association with Tom Wolf. Yeah, that's Tom Wolf. Fetterman killer. Hitler. Yeah, that's killer. So yeah, so Tom Wolf is very unpopular in the yeah state. So yeah, exactly. And that kind of attachment to the current administration will yeah. really hurt Fetterman and Oz. Because I mean, Fetterman was Wolf's 
picked the lieutenant governor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'll see how that um, eventually plays out. But what parts of the state, sh- like when the results come in, the polls close, and we start getting results in Pennsylvania, what are the counties, what are the parts of the state that we should be looking at to know Oz is going to win, Marshawn is going to win, or Shapiro is going to win, Fetterman's going to win? Mm. I would say in general, for the Senate election specifically, it's the suburban counties. Uh, Bucks County, Montgomery, the Philly area, um, Chester County as well. Uh, but those areas, I think, are going to really be indicative of who wins. Cause I think those, I think the Senate race is going to be very indicative of how Pennsylvania is is going to vote in twenty twenty four potentially. And that's we have to look at the suburban areas for that. But I think, as you know, we've already mentioned, for Mastriano, it is going to be how much of a turnout does he get in Western PA in the Pittsburgh area. So, you know, it's something I actually just realized how different the candidates are and how they, they are representing different uh, kind of demographics in PA. So it is going, I mean, I think this race is probably the most important race, like Senate and governor race in the country right now. Maybe I'm a little biased, but um, I think you said, you said it yourself. Sorry, Florida. Um, so, yeah. And again, I tend to look big picture. So... Um, it's going to be for, for Oz again for Oz and Fetterman it's going to be exactly the same as 2020 look at the suburbs in uh, Philly those are going to definitely represent um, and then for 2016 similar 2016 Mastriano in the western area of PA yeah I'm interested in seeing where um, the rural counties go uh, for the Senate race mm-hmm. because on one hand you got the Trump endorsed candidate and you'd think like okay this I mean is pretty secure but then on you know, challenging him, you have a you know this blue cal- blue collar personality. Where's Carl? Quote unquote. Yeah, he's six mm-hmm. nine. Yeah. yeah, he's he's rugged, and so it's like, okay, will he take away votes in these in these rural mm-hmm. parts of the state, middle of the state, mm-hmm. or will this be secure because Oz has the Trump endorsement? Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be interesting to look at. Um, I think, like you said, um, outside Philly is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be interested interested to see um kind of where the people in that area land um in terms of turnout um, for the senate race if they really do turn out for oz mm-hmm. or if that trump endorsement turns them off um, they don't vote for fetterman either and they just stay home um i think that would be interesting to see because a lot of the um suburban voters i think are turned off by big personalities like mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier I agree um they want those. somebody who'll just Ride the ship, steer yeah, the yeah. ship. That's what lost. That's what lost it for Trump in twenty twenty. The mm-hmm. suburban uh, voters being very off put by someone like Trump. Yeah, and Biden, by contrast, you know, he kind of portrayed himself as the moderate option, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, back he normal. Campaigned yeah. from the basement, mm-hmm. like kind of, you know, I'm not going to say anything too loud, generate too much controversy. <laughs> exactly. but of course, he can't do that now because he's in the Oval Office and he mm-hmm. can't be a yeah. do nothing president. So I think that could, if there is a rematch, I think it will. Yeah, there, if there is a rematch, I think that will. I think maybe play a little bit differently in the suburbs yeah i want to see how the red wave affects that too because everyone's talking about this red wave that's mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. i mean we'll um, get a good indication you know this will be very dated after i say this but today's the florida new york primaries and if that new york 19th uh, district goes very red then i think we'll know whether or not there's going to be a big red wave because the, the republicans are focusing on the inflation issue democrats on the abortion issue mm-hmm. uh so if republicans do well in new york in, in a swing district uh maybe that would then indicate in I mean, it does border Pennsylvania, so maybe it will help indicate where that part of the country is leaning. 
But at the same time, Pennsylvania is such a difficult state to pull. I think from yeah. you know 2016, it all said Hillary Clinton's easily, easily going to win there. And yeah. whereas Trump turnout skyrocketed, I think we're not going to really know who's going to win the race until the polls close. Yeah. And the polls, obviously, I think, are very much underestimating Republicans, as they always do. Mm. And Especially I think, in 2016. You remember that? 20, I mean, yeah, that was yeah, a disaster. 20, even in 2020, I mean... Biden was expected to win in a blowout, but it was mm-hmm. very close in a lot, and especially in places like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. Arizona. At Wisconsin, ABC poll had Biden winning tr- uh, by 17 points in Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, he was up in Florida. You yeah. Know? And so, Texas, too. Yeah. And everybody's saying, oh, Blexus is going to become a reality. And I mean, yeah. yeah, sure, Dems did better in Austin and Dallas, but yeah. Rio Grande Valley made it like a Trump plus five, Trump plus mm-hmm. six states. So. And you mentioned the abortion issue. I think that... That is something that Democrats should really try to not make too big of a platform. Because I don't, I think abortion is a very controversial issue, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's a very big issue for the average voter. Um, and yeah. while crime, inflation, I would say education as well, is a big issue for the average voter. So it's something that I think is not a good strategy for Democrats to really make a central point of their campaigns. Um, I do think that it's all or nothing for candidates like uh, Fetterman and uh, so either go soft on abortion and not bring out the pro-life base or go hard on abortion and bring out the pro-life base. So I think the pro-life base is probably way, I think, more motivated, I would say, than the pro-choice base. Even though, we're, you know, pro-life people tend, tend to be a lot quieter. Even right now? I would, um, I think that in general, in general. Okay. No. So it's, it's tricky. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen now because I think that pro-choice movements are definitely going to be on the rise. In the next few years, and it's, they're going to try to because it's such a national issue. It's it, it's it's you can't just relegate it to okay, Pennsylvanians and state state voters think on the state level when it comes to abortion. A lot of these people they think on a national level. We want uh, Roe codified into law or have it illegal um, in all fifty states. But te- more more so the former. That pro-choice people they want a na- they want woman's right to choose protected in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be someone that something that the pro-choice base is really going to want Fetterman to do. But the pro-life base, I believe, thinks more state-wise. So that's that's going to really appeal. That's really gonna, it's really going to push to Mastriano. So it's a really, really complicated issue. And the way it manifests in this election is going to be really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I think Republicans should, especially Mastriano, should actually focus on, but not necessarily Oz. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, coming back to education, Yeah. when you say education, do you mean um, railing against sort of the, the, the um, education lockdowns, the, the CRT all from home, or do you mean the CRT? More CRT, more CRT. Okay. I mean, I, that, that actually, too, as well. Um, both. I think in Michigan, you're going to see a lot of the anti-lockdown vote against Whitmer more. Yeah. I don't know about what it was like in, in well, Pennsylvania. Well, COVID, COVID is a fading issue, I would say. It's, mm-hmm. it, it is fading. So now CRT... And also CRT is kind of fading as well uh, in the past like year. I think Democrats have kind of dropped their whole race theory. But again, it could be right around the corner at any point. I think it's fading slower in PA, especially with Tom Wolf, because um, people know that name still. Mm-hmm. And, and people remember Absolutely. Um, yeah. remember him. And, and those lockdowns, um, I think, really, really stuck with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the Philly schools, I think, even even go down there mm-hmm. um small businesses too it's a different thing but um the lockdowns i think they they they're still in recent memory yeah. um compared to other states yeah it's different i think it's definitely fading but yeah. i think in pennsylvania when you talk about education which i think should be talked about mm-hmm. i think that those lockdowns are important too yeah i mean i think that a lot of people are looking forward at this point 
if we do elect a Democrat, what is the likelihood of there going to be more lockdowns? Probably not that high right. anymore. So it's more of a case of kind of maybe like getting revenge or just built up frustration, not necessarily logical. Um, like, I don't want any more lockdowns. I'm going to Republicans. Well, you could I, paint it like they're incompetent and they made yeah, poor decisions. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. On, on, on a broader level, absolutely. They have yeah. poor judgment, yeah. But I just think it's not as hard of an issue as it was a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. 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 I think now in the education realm, especially, I think a lot of the gender ideology stuff, I think, is dominating more than maybe CRT. And mm-hmm. A lot of it is yep. like... And That's to bring it. back to Virginia, I know we, we keep bringing it back, but this is a gubernatorial election. I think yep. this is maybe relevant to Oz and, and, and Shapiro is that eight, only 8% of the electorate said that abortion was their big issue, but 58% of them voted for Youngkin. So I think that kind of says the pro-life vote is out there, in Vir- especially in Virginia. Like Youngkin didn't rail on the abortion issue like at all. Like yeah, Terry McAuliffe was, was like, right? Terry McAuliffe yeah. was like, oh, he's going to impose like a Texas style ban in Virginia. Idea, say, yeah. And he kept quiet about it and he won. But that, that's of course pre-Dobbs. Uh, yeah. But of course he uh, he rallied. He, I mean, he quietly told like the Trump base like, yeah, I'm very pro-life. But, and now we're seeing that um, be mm-hmm. exposed, you know, with, um, he's saying, oh, I would maybe, I would support a 15 week ban in, in Virginia. And if they win the state Senate, Republicans win the state Senate in, in next year, he could, impose a fuller uh, a ban but i mean education going back to that 24 percent electorate said that 53 percent voted yunkin and that's an issue democrats have dominated for years yeah. and i think that that and of course virginia is, is that the focus of the education issue i mean with the loudon county controversy mm-hmm. now fairfax county controversies and so I, I don't know if that will translate into pennsylvania and the philly suburbs but it mm-hmm. certainly did in northern virginia and how you know yunkin said you know we got to teach all history, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, and right. teach it objectively and not let, like, better work in Texas says, oh, parents should be telling teachers what their worldview on history should be, like, what what worldview history they impose on their students. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're seeing Democratic candidates replicate that. I don't know if Shapiro will make that similar kind of mistake uh, and may slip up and give a gaffe on, on education, but... If Mastriano could focus, on, I think, on those issues, that will, of course, energize his base in Western PA. It's just a matter of is education going to continue to be a big issue for suburban voters? Because if it is, I think a more extreme candidate like Mastriano, who says, I will bring change, might actually benefit him more so than like a more mellowed out Oz. But of course, the statewide, like a statewide uh, issue versus a federal issue are very, very different. So I think Oz focusing on the inflation and the economy makes sense for him right right but mastriano i think is is better for the gubernatorial race like if you flip them around and said oz was the gubernatorial candidate and mastriano was a senate candidate i i would feel more uh, pessimistic about pennsylvania but the fact that mastriano i think is the better candidate for governor and oz for senate simply because of their priorities like absolutely the economy versus culture culture war issues absolutely. and also turnout i think will be a major thing in pennsylvania will democrats sit at home because they're they're not happy with the biden administration will the young base uh, the, the progressive base of the democratic party turn out we'll see um, i think with shapiro they may be more mellow in their turnout fetterman i could see him energizing them a lot more than than shapiro but we'll see how that that also turns out as well i think the red wave should it be a be a reality and have this negative Joe Biden sentiment, neg- anti-Democrat mm-hmm. uh, environment where Republicans win the generic ballot maybe by four or five, six points. And Pennsylvania only went for Biden by a point, like 1.2%. So yeah. like the if, if Mastriano and or Oz lose, I think that that will really 
force the Pennsylvania GOP to look at themselves and be like, where did we go wrong? Because if, if you have a Republican favorable year in a state that Biden barely won, same goes for Georgia and Arizona. Uh, if, if Democrats win there, the Republican parties in those states, he's be like, what went wrong? Like we're in a very favorable Republican year and we lose statewide in these states that Biden barely won. I mean, yeah, Mark Kelly did better than, than, uh, than Biden in the state. And sure, like that, that, that could also play a factor, but at the same time, like I think the national environment will play a huge role on those swing states like Pennsylvania, like Michigan, Wisconsin, et cetera, and how Republicans talk about those issues. I think Biden ran a Scranton Joe, you know, I'm I'm a like Pennsylvania's third senator, he used to say. So I think that that image, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, has really faded away. I don't think anybody in Scranton has that love for Biden anymore mm-hmm. or affiliation to Biden because he's now like Delaware or DC Joe. But we'll see how that uh, transits to the I general. It, I think at the end of the day, it's what's stronger, the hate for Biden or the hate for Trump. And I think Trump's shadow still yeah. definitely looms. It, it looms over yeah. every single race, uh, especially in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, you know, Pennsylvanians picked, the Rep- Pennsylvania Republicans picked the more Trumpy candidates, mm-hmm. over, Trump candidates over the more moderate kind of establishment mm-hmm. guys. So, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think that that's, in my opinion, a flawed uh approach i mean again it's not an approach the republican party's taking it's the primary voters but i think that we're picking more trumpy candidates over the more i would say electable moderate candidates especially in pennsylvania and uh it's really going to come down to again what's stronger the hate for Biden or hate for trump i think you mentioned electable moderates i think i still think um the trump endorsed candidates are very electable mm-hmm. i think What's holding them back isn't the the Trump um, side of things. I think, um, like you were saying, this 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 yeah. like, oh, I'm from Scranton. Um, I think that sort of um, facade, similar with Oz, where he's you know he's actually from, or uh, he's actually from New Jersey, mm-hmm. Cherry Hill, but you know, um, still New Jersey. I think that sort of um, holds them back in a lot of ways because it's a critique that's so yeah. easy to. To launch mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much to say it doesn't take much airtime doesn't take much mm-hmm. anything so i think i think that also plays a role yeah i think trump is just kind of a confounding factor in all this it might not be necessarily trump causing these candidates to be unelectable but it's their kind of persona that trump likes mm-hmm. that's causing them to be unelectable okay so I, I don't know i mean we'll see i mean i i think that trump is definitely i mean democrats they want trump's shadow to loom and I think that it's probably not as strong as they think, but I still think it's there. Mm-hmm. And um, especially after the raid of FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, absolutely, which actually it might hurt Democrats because absolutely, yeah. I think I think it will just energize base Republican yeah. voters. That I think that's the question that will happen. I think Pennsylvania is the center of this because uh, how important it is in the Rust Belt is well, yeah. Pennsylvania, which I think would be characterized, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this too, but. Like Pennsylvania, I think fiscally is very more moderate than the average con- like state, but s- socially maybe more conservative. Because I think that that's maybe how the Trump appeal yeah. came in. Again, I mean, as a Pennsylvania is kind of, I don't know if you seem to disagree, but mm-hmm. it is kind of a microcosm. And the average, the median voter does tend to, you know, I don't know why this is the, tr- the truth, but, you know, socially, conservative, fiscally, liberal. Liberal, yeah, yeah. I think they do. So they, they offer unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, in itself could be a, 
like a, somebody like Greg Abbott would do very badly there because they're like, yeah. oh, socially libertarian, which basically means socially liberal on a lot of things. Yeah. And then fiscally conservative, just not a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say the key ingredient for PA, um, summing up what a lot of what you just said, is economic populism, right? Mm-hmm. Focus on that. Absolutely. And socially conser- conservative and social conservatism. So definitely focusing on the manufacturing jobs, you know, um, being averse to trade. Uh, with other countries that might harm the manufacturing jobs in Pennsylvania, but also focusing on stuff like critical race theory. It's tricky because I think what you said that the RNC, I would say that they're doing a good job with just waiting to see what the big issue is going to be in a month or you know, two months from now. Absolutely. Because th- th- it seems like there's like a new a new thing every month mm-hmm. that uh, people are worried about. So As soon as early voting starts. Yeah. But I would say the Republicans need to pick a social issue and really, really hammer it down, but still maintain Great. that economic populism um, approach. So it's, it's all about who wins where and uh, whether the gubernatorial race and Senate race, and this is an interesting question I'd throw to the two of you, is if you had to pick one win for the Republicans in Pennsylvania, so you can have Oz win in, Pencil- in the Senate or Mastrano win the governor's race. You only pick one, who would you pick to win? I love this question. Oh, God. I love this question. I, I, uh, and I got I it. <laughs> I think this might be controversial, but I got to say Mastriano. A governor, I mean, we saw, we can see DeSantis right now. I mean, that's, that's a huge, it's an, he's a national figure. Became a national figure because he was a governor that was doing things. He wasn't just sitting there. He wasn't boring. He was yeah. acting in a way, legislating in a way that was popular with Floridians, mm-hmm. that, that it, um, addressed national issues. But also, um, you know, set him up to be the guy who would challenge Trump in 2024, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that as in, I'm just saying that in general. There is that buzz. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And I think a governor nowadays can be, can be very, very effective. Whereas Oz in the Senate, I see him as someone who would just go along to get along. Yeah. And depending on who, if, they, you know, if J.D. Vance, Blake Masters, those sorts of guys um, take more control of the Senate, then maybe he goes along get along with them but if not he's just going to be you know doing what mitch mcconnell tells him to do or party or party, party yeah, rnc whatever um so i think and i think mastriano's you know he's just he's just a guy he's just doing what yeah. he wants to do you know? so i think I, I'd, I'd much rather have yeah him. through the course of your answer i changed my mind <laughs> so you nice. convinced me because i was thinking that oz because we need to have that majority in the senate but given that we are Unless some miracle happens for Democrats, we are going to win the House. Republicans are going to win the House. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to really halt a lot of dem- the Democrats' agenda um, in general. So, yeah, I think that if Oz does win, he is going to be, I think, instrumental in that Senate majority. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. it's going it's to be super close. It's going to be like within like 49, 50, 51 for Republicans. So having Oz in the Senate is going to... If Oz does win, it's probably going to be a Senate majority for Republicans because mm-hmm. then... The other races are also going to go Republicans, most likely. But, yeah, I think that having someone like Mastriano in PA, I wish he was a little less Trumpy. I think he will once he becomes the governor. I, I think, think he, yeah, with the general campaign, I think he's starting to mellow out a little yeah, bit yeah. better. Yeah, I hope he's, you know, kind of when he becomes, if he becomes governor, uh, hopefully he takes a little more softer approach, a little more moderate approach. Hopefully he works with Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't, because, we, you know, I do want change in PA. And if his change is promising, he has to be able to work. Uh, across the line, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, so I was I would agree that Mastriano probably like fifty five forty five. I would say <laughs> it's very it's almost a coin flip for me, but yeah, probably Mastriano winning in uh, PA because I think that the house is the house is definitely going to stop Biden's agenda in general, um, even without a Senate majority. Also, thinking about it this way, 
we take the House and the Senate, hypothetically. Yeah. There's, knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. There's, Biden's still there, right? So it's, yeah. it's obviously we're, we're blocking we'll see Biden. We'll still there, I don't know. Yeah, we're, not, we're not like advancing our agenda. Right, right. There's no advancement. It's just standstill. And what's, what's better, uh, a governor that's acting or a Congress that has a lot of Republicans but is sitting still? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. optically it's much better to have a governor that's acting. Because that will improve yeah. the image of the party statewide. Right. right. Yeah, I think I think the, same thing like DeSantis did. Exactly. Yeah. It's the DeSantis yeah. moment here. I agree. I think the, the I agree. The utility from Mastriano is definitely much higher mm-hmm. than uh, than Oz. So yeah, I mean, I'm even 60, 60 40 now. Oh, I'm making, I'm yeah. making progress. Yeah, we just need an hour or more, and I can get. Hundred percent. Yeah. And also, there are other opportunities to flip the Senate. And like Pennsylvania is the only like it's yeah. going to be uh, the only state that could flip the Senate. I mean, yeah. Republicans need to net gain one. Yeah, we look at five thirty eight. Pennsylvania is like right on the other side of that like that line that we need to win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like we, you got we, Pennsylvania, we, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada. Like those are the main. Yeah. New Hampshire, Wisconsin, even, like, maybe. No, I, well, Wisconsin. We have the incumbent with Ron Johnson. Yeah, so that means isn't that close or no? The poll, up. the polls are saying it's closer than people yeah. think. But Mandela Barnes has said a lot of anti-American things. That I, th- in Ron, yeah. I think Ron Johnson will win pretty handedly. I think the polls are just terrible in Wisconsin. I mean, as I said, Biden, they, ABC had Biden winning seventeen points in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that's like more <laughs> to the left of like a state like New Jersey or right. like a state like uh, Connecticut. It's like Wisconsin isn't that safe for Democrats anymore. So it's uh, funny how that um played yeah. out but i think wisconsin will be that's an, that could be a, another episode but wisconsin i don't think is going to be as uh competitive at the senate level i think pennsylvania georgia arizona nevada, nevada and potentially new hampshire are yeah. going to be like the four or five yeah. senate seats to really watch mm-hmm. it's funny we omit north carolina as well because north carolina i think ted bud's doing well there in ohio so. too in ohio yeah. yeah i mean the well the, knock on wood knock on wood exactly that'll be a nightmare yeah but I mean, you're seeing, uh, the, I think those are the four like toss up seats. Um, yeah. and we'll see how those go. I mean, Republicans, if they lose Pennsylvania, they need to win too. But if they win Pennsylvania and they hold all their incumbents, um, or seats that they currently have incumbents, they only need to win one. So they could win Arizona. That's it. And Pennsylvania, they have a Senate majority. Yep, yep. They could win, you know, Georgia. Nevada and Arizona and lose Pennsylvania. They have 51 seats. So there's a lot of different paths for Republicans to win the mm-hmm. Senate. But the only thing that would maybe uh, push me towards odds, like I would agree with you with Mastriano. I think the governor's really, really important into shaping the culture of a state. Yep. But I think I'm thinking strategically for 2024 and look at the Senate map that Republicans have a chance to have a filibuster proof majority in 2024. Because you got Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, you know, all uh, New Mexico, Minnesota, all having Democrat incumbents up mm. for reelection. Like this is a huge Democratic year. Yeah. And if you have another big Republican year, potentially, if Biden is continues continue to be unpopular, you could win seven. And of course, Montana, Ohio, and West Virginia. So yeah, they're seen as like three for sure flips. I mean, if Manchin runs again, it will be more competitive. But mm. those are three states that are firmly Republicans. That's three automatic flips. Should Manchin not run again? And that's, be tough, yeah. you know, if Republicans get 54 seats in the Senate, knock on wood, that includes New Hampshire, all of the swing states yeah. plus New Hampshire. Uh, and then you add in those three, that's 57. Yeah. Then if you win, you know, Wisconsin, 58, Pennsylvania, 59, Whoa. Michigan, 60. Filibuster proof coming. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. Arizona, 61. <laughs> if they primary cinema, that becomes, a yeah. you know, Ruben Gallego, who's a very progressive is like primary cinema that becomes very competitive nevada as well so you could have 61 62 senate seats and then you know susan collins and maybe lisa murkowski are out of the equation 
You know, they they wouldn't be uh, able to block Republican. I'm like salivating now. This is like <laughs> so. I mean, that's just a possibility. And an yeah. Oz victory in Pennsylvania would be required for that, unless you know, not necessarily, but it would be a big step in doing so. So mm. ideally, they both win. But I would agree with the both of you that if we yeah. had to pick one, pick Mastrano. That's not any way to dis Oz. It's just the the power of a governor is just really really instrumental i think in the senate if you have the house to block the biden agenda that's all you need and have those investigations that you want into the department of homeland security doj whatever that the house republican leadership wants to run and so yeah for sure i think the 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 rga should be the republican governor's association should be really hammered in Mm -hmm. on winning places like new mexico winning pennsylvania winning michigan winning all these states that Mm -hmm. you know you get you get a republican governor in there you very well see a Republican win other levels because then they'll yeah. say, oh, we've elected a Republican in this state and they prove to be bold on action. They're very effective at leadership. We're going to elect them and out of their offices as well to see how they do. So I think it will help the party image more broadly. But yeah. talking about 2024, I know that we're um, thinking about that and how mm-hmm. uh, 2024 could be huge in, in terms of Republican gains in the Senate. You also have an, a, a Senate election there, as I mentioned, mm. Pennsylvania with uh, Senator Bob Casey, who's seen as a very difficult incumbent to beat in Pennsylvania. Right. Who do you think uh, could challenge him, and who would on the Republican side, and who would, you know, have the best shot of beating him? Mm. I mean, I would say Dave McCormick. I was someone that really, mm. I really liked Dave McCormick. He already expressed interest in running. Really, twenty twenty four. Yep, yep. Okay. So I think that'd be good. But I mean. Brian Fitzpatrick, my homeboy from uh, Bucks County, even though he's also very anti-Trump, um, I think that he again would be a good representative for this entire Pennsylvania. I mean, a good electable candidate for the entirety of Pennsylvania. Oz could potentially run again if he loses, but if I had to pick someone who I think would be best as of right now, it would be probably McCormick. But again, that could change like tomorrow. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he did get like thirty-one percent of the yeah. He lost by like I don't know five votes. Vote. Yeah. Well, if we're talking about who we think. Could be Casey. I I guess I'd agree with you, McCormick. I don't yeah. know if I'd want him to beat him, yeah. honestly, because it's almost like yeah. it's like a like he's a, a globalist Republican. Like well, that kinda, yeah, yeah, but it's also like it, it also it's like oh, there's a Republican there now who wow, we don't have to worry about this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but you know he's I don't I don't see him as much much different than Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, yeah, I think someone like Barletta would be interesting in that in that race. I mean, he's getting old. Is he, he is getting old. Yeah, and but, I don't know if he really wants... I don't think yeah, he, he I, really I think he probably... This, like, this was his last hurrah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's had a long career. I think he's he's probably done. But um, yeah. something... Some, someone like someone like Barletta. Barletta would be um, great, yeah. Uh, agree. But right now, I think it's... it's. I honestly just don't don't even know because someone like Oz could pop up again. Yeah. Um, you could have I, know, I know it is very years. early. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a name that I've been looking at is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, Scott Perry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he's in a Trump plus four district. I mean, so he's winning in a very competitive area. Absolutely. I think he's in the Harrisburg area. I think that's his district. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying, well, if you want a more, you know, aggressive candidate, pick him over um, somebody like Dave McCormick or Brian Fitzpatrick. I mean, and he isn't seen as like the extreme as like uh, Mastriano might be. Sure, he's been a staunch ally of Trump in Congress. But he's, you know, had some more moderate votes. I mean, he was one of the 47 Republicans to codify a Obergefell. Uh, right. So uh, he may not be as, quote unquote, unelectable as they're portraying the, the Republicans are now. And he has leadership experience in the House. Because mm-hmm. the House Freedom Caucus is one of the biggest 
if not the biggest caucus in the in the House yeah. of Representatives, and they're really influential on the Republican side. Mm. Uh, I think so, that would be the problem, in my opinion. The Freedom Caucus, I think it's going to be very easy to paint them as extremes. another like conservatives, ultra, not maybe not ultra MAGA, but ultra conservative. <laughs> ultra you know? MAGA. Well, it also, yeah. it, 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 I think it depends uh, as well what, um, what members time? of Congress like uh, <laughs> like Lauren Boebert do, what Marjorie Taylor Greene right. do, and how influential right. maybe they are in the Freedom Caucus in, 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 in the next Congress. Yeah. If they rise up to be leadership roles in the in the in the freedom caucus and it's instead of more maybe experienced legislators yeah. like maybe an Andy biggs like maybe a scott Perry, yeah. yeah like if you get those more like younger firebrand types yeah. i could see it being a little bit more toxic but the fact is i think scott perry has that support and he'd have like the trump base mm. saying so in a primary i think that would ultimately help him win over a mccormick that'd be ideal for for a for me, but like, again, I always look at electability. So I'm like mm. more moderate. I don't know. So Tricky. I mean, you're, yeah. And at the same time, could Trump primary Fitzpatrick? I mean, he, since he doesn't like him, I don't think he will. I think Fitzpatrick is a good fit for yeah. his district. Well, Fitzpatrick, if he does stick to his oath, he's gonna. This is gonna be his last term. Mm. That's that's why. Also, I think he's gonna mm. be someone. He could run for look for a higher summer. office. Mm. Yeah. But also, then the question is, does he have enough appeal across the state to become to win the nomination? Mm -hmm. I mean. I was very impressed with McCormick's appeal. Like everybody said, he was out. It's going to be Kathy Barnett versus, and that's somebody we haven't talked about. Yeah, actually. The Kathy Barnett versus Oz, like that was going to be the race. Yeah. Uh, but McCormick, you know, he shot up at the end and he came in second yeah. very, very narrowly. He almost won. Yeah, I voted for him. I was like. Yeah. So, I mean, could Kathy Barnett play another role or, or could McCormick build on his voter base that he already had in Western PA. Mm -hmm. Those are all questions that we're going to have going into the 2024 race. But I think 2022 will indicate where the state's going. Because if mm -hmm. Mastrano gets in there, he might reform election laws like Shapiro did. He changed election laws like a week before yeah. the election. Mm -hmm. Like Mastrano will say, well, no, I want stricter voter ID laws. I want, you know, similar maybe to like a Texas or a Florida kind of election reform. Mm -hmm. And then that, of course, could help Republicans get across the finish line in that sense. Like you won't yeah. have like 99% of the vote record reporting in Pennsylvania. Trump's up or Republicans up by 100,000 yeah. votes. And all of a sudden, boom, a huge vote dump comes in, in Philly and the Democrat wins. Yeah, it also highly depends on who the Republican nominee is in 2024. If it's Trump, he's going to give McCormick a very hard time but mm -hmm. uh, or Fitzpatrick but if it's someone like DeSantis yeah. he's probably gonna be politically they savvy enough to support together. anybody yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think Trump will definitely want to want to say in whoever he would have in Congress with him yeah but McConnell I think is the big target for Trump to get out and so yeah I mean he won't, he won't be there for long I don't think no I think yeah. McConnell might be on his last term yeah uh, and, you know, you had those polls, those funny polls that had him losing by one point to his Democratic uh, challenger, just like Lindsey Graham. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, he won. So we'll see if he sticks around for a little bit longer or not. Uh, but, of course, you had Rick Scott of Florida potentially running a, a campaign against um, McConnell because mm -hmm. he did say, you know, I am... Uh, like he went in the Wall Street Journal and he wrote something, an article against McConnell and saying why we need new blood in the Senate. And he is the chairman of the NRSC. So he has that leadership experience. So it's a matter yeah, of, I agree. It's good. will these new senators like an Oz, like a Masters, like a J.D. Vance, will they pressure McConnell into ousting him or will they say, okay, well, we'll wait till our caucus, like the America first, you know, Trumpy caucus grows. Because mm -hmm. I mean, looking at it right now, you only have a few senators in there. Like I would say maybe a Marsha Blackburn, a Josh Hawley are really Tom out Cotton. there. Tom Cotton are really out there pushing against McConnell or, or, or like saying we maybe need new blood. Yeah. But a lot of the Senate candidates this year around like Masters, uh, like Laxalt, like even Eric Schmidt in Missouri are more 
resistant to McConnell's leadership. So maybe that can mm-hmm. cause some internal divisions in the Senate GOP. But I don't think that the numbers are there yet to oust McConnell. I think a lot of them would fall in line and back him. And I don't think it like I would say 2024 is a bigger race to oust McConnell because he would if you could you can have all those gains. Is he up for re-election 2024? McConnell in 26. 26, right. But you have all these new Republicans that could come in as, you know, if we get that filibuster-proof majority yeah. by some miracle, you know, then you might have the votes to oust McConnell. But right now, yeah. I don't think you'll have them. And for him to kind of be like the political leader for the next couple of years to just steady the ship against Biden's uh, uh, administration and just be the opponent, I don't think yeah. he's going to have too much of a, of a role. It also depends who wins in 2024. I think if a Republican win. If a Republican wins, then I think McConnell will be out. But if a Democrat wins, I think especially they, if Trump wins, they probably yeah they probably yeah. still need him there to kind of be that like opposition that hammer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you're mm-hmm. gonna I think like uh, not to bring it too much back to Texas, but I think John Cornyn is yeah. in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a lot of pro McConnell senators are in trouble for their um, pro McConnellness. For their, yeah, <laughs> like I, exactly. I would say 2026, I think is the latest McConnell would get out of there because he'd retire. So. Um, yeah, thank you so much, gentlemen, for for coming on. That was a long conversation, but Pennsylvania sure. is worth it. It's uh, yeah, it's a really so true. important state, and Republicans will mm-hmm. need it to win in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, younger people like you who are going to keep it going and hopefully keep Pennsylvania, make Pennsylvania a solid red state. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow the Georgetown College Republicans on Instagram, on Twitter and all other social media platforms. Be sure to rate this five stars on your podcast streaming outlet of choice and be sure to recommend it to friends, family, or anybody who you know could be a more quiet conservative who wants to know what's going on with the party. Thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time.